Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 this is socal live with scott furrow join the conversation now by texting scott in the socal live studio at 213-537-3812 good afternoon ladies and gentlemen welcome to southern california live i'm pastor scott furrow academy award uh well i haven't won yet but uh you know one of these days, you know, one of these days, uh, I'm just going to have to get into a movie first. Not just one of those guys walking around in the background. You know, did they give Oscars for like best extra? <laughs> best guy who uh, wandered into the screen. We're really glad that you're here. Hey, did you watch the Oscars? I didn't watch the show. Okay, I don't know. It's, it used to be an event for me. It's not anymore, but I know it is for a lot of you. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of gotten political and kind of weird, and it's not as funny. I used to love it when Billy Crystal was the host, and there was just a lot of funny stuff going on. Now you, you kind of have to suffer through all the stuff. I wasn't watching last year until my uh, Twitter machine blew up because of the fight. Uh, no fights this year, I guess, Wilbert. Uh, nothing like that. Uh, none of those stories. But you know what? I think that there is a story, and I wanted to talk about this because I was moved by some of the speeches of the winners that I saw. And... Um, <clears throat> Let me listen to this. This is Ki Hui Kwan. Ki uh, Hui Kwan is how you say his name. He won for uh, Best Actor. Is an actor or a uh, supporting, Best Supporting Actor. And you know who this guy is? This guy, if you if you watched uh, the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, he was short round in that movie, the character who was Indiana Jones' sidekick. He was one of the Goonies in the old Goonies movies. And uh, this he won an Oscar last night. This is what he had to say. My mom is 84 years old, and she's at home watching. Mom, I just want an Oscar. (laughs) My journey started on a boat. I spent a year in a refugee camp, and somehow I ended up here on Hollywood's biggest stage. They say stories like this only happen in the movies. I cannot believe it's happening to me. This, this is the American dream. That was Kei Hui Kwan, who won Best Supporting Actor. And, you know, I thought that was super genuine. You know, sometimes they're actors, right? Some of them can stir up the emotion and, and sort of do things. I, didn't, I thought that was for real. And he wasn't the only one. And, you know, I know that they're trying to pull back on a lot of the politics because everybody stopped watching, you know, and eventually you want your advertisers to pay you money because people are watching and seeing the advertisers. And uh, eventually, if you go too far down one way or the other, people are going to stop. That's how the business works. And so maybe there was some stuff. I don't know. I didn't pay attention. But I thought there are so many things here. And he's not the only story I want to share with you. But. It's so positive. What a great story. Think about that. He came over here as an immigrant during a very difficult time. um, And in his country, he was in a refugee camp. And here he is not too long later, what, 40 years later, and he is winning an Oscar. 
And I know that the Oscars, at the end of the day, it's just a piece of metal and, you know, it's it's not valuable in eternity. Okay, those things don't matter. But what I want to get to is this. There are things that we feel are a calling in our life. I don't mean a job. I don't mean even a career necessarily. But there are things in our life that are a calling, things that we feel like we were made to do. And it's very hard just because of economics and because of how the world works to always stay within your calling. But I think that one of the things that helps is when we don't give up on it. See what I'm saying is that we, if we feel like our, our calling is to be an actor or our calling is to be uh, a mom or a dad, you know, what's the most important thing? Your calling is to be an architect or your calling is to be, you know, a preacher or your calling is to do something. God has created something in you. Now, the biggest part of your calling, of course, is what God wants to do with you in those arenas. Okay, that that's that's ultimately what you're called to do. You might have particular skills and particular talents, and that's how God made you. So if he made you into a great actor and you felt like this is your calling, your greater calling with the Lord is to go there and represent Christ, right? To go into an industry that uh, Christ is often uh, not represented very well in and represent Christ. You know, that's ultimately your calling. But part of your calling is to also do very well at your job. You know, it is... Uh, it is something I think that people feel, and not everybody can stay there, but I'm inspired when you see people who just stick to it, when there has been a lot of obstacles. Have you had something in your life that you felt like was a calling? And I'd love to have you share your story. If you had something in your life that you thought was a calling, and you pushed through obstacles, and uh, you found you know success, ultimately success in the Lord— And I want to make sure we understand that distinction because some of it is we do well in our careers and that's good. I think that is really good. At the end of the day, God's not going to ask you for your resume, right? He's going to say, did you work hard and do well in your career? And you're going to thank him for those things that you did. Maybe you'll thank him for the gold statue that you got. But I think the next thing is, is how did you represent Christ? You know, if you know him, how did you, because if you don't know him, you're you're in a whole lot of trouble. But if you do, how did you represent Christ in that context? I think that's going to be a big part of it. You got a story to tell? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. There are a couple of other stories, I think, that were just very significant. And the Oscar goes to Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh uh, won for uh, the same movie. What's the name of that movie? Everything, Everywhere, and... And All at Once is the name of the movie, which I have not seen. It used to be a time where I probably saw all the movies that were nominated for Best Picture. I noticed, Wilbert, that uh, Avatar 2 was nominated. I'm, I'm still amazed because I, it's everybody, it's made hundreds of millions of dollars, and I don't know anybody who's seen that movie. Nobody talks about it. Okay, got the nomination, but... Does anybody care about this movie? It's the weirdest thing. Whole nother discussion. This was Michelle Yeoh's part of her acceptance speech. Thank you. For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, (laughs) this is a beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof that dreams dream big and dreams do come true. And ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. Never give up. She's been in Hollywood a long time. I think that was a comment that was actually directed toward uh, 
uh, Don Lemon, who famously we talked about on this show, he apologized for it. He took ownership for it. But he made this comment about uh, Nikki Haley running for president that she's beyond her prime because she's what in her 50s or something and uh, really ticked off a lot of people. And you know what, though, when she says that, you have to think about this. If you're somebody and you are, uh, you know, you're in your 50s or 60s and you have somebody telling you that you're beyond your prime. And if you're in Hollywood, you know, people go for the younger actors and that's how that business works. And you have been around and now you're acknowledged. And uh, she is she's the first Asian woman to win an Oscar. And, you know, what's really interesting to me is that the press that came out on that at first was that she is the the uh, first uh, self-identifying Asian woman to win an Oscar. Anna, what in the world is – do you mean – why do they put it that way? Isn't she just Asian? <laughs> Does she have to self-identify otherwise she's not? I don't understand that. Uh, and that was a weird controversy. But I thought her her speech – it was just exciting. It's exciting, I think, in some ways to see some people succeed in this way and not give up on their craft, not give up on the things that they're doing. What do you think about this? Have you ever been in a place where you have been able to maintain your calling um, through ups and downs, but something that you were really called to do? You feel like this is why you were made uh, and you've got a success story. 888-528-2557. Ruth in Eagle Rock, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Thank you for taking my call. I'll make it quick. Um, you're talking about calling, and yeah. I am a I am a caregiver, so I thought I want to share you the testimony. I'm already uh, taking care of the same uh, client. I thought I want to share you that during uh, COVID, I have some challenges, especially dealing with the family. But because of that calling, I'm still with my patient. I'm taking care of an Alzheimer lady. Mm. But because, first of all, I work for the Lord. Yeah. And I know that the, the family is the one benefiting for mm-hmm. the it's things good. I do. And I'm still here. Were you able to, to work with your patient even during the shutdowns? Yes. Yeah. And was the patient was in, in, in home? Yes. Yeah. Good for you. But I, every day I remind myself. I said, Lord, I am working for you. You help me. And here I am, 10 years, with the same wonderful, loving lady that I love. Good for you. That is a wonderful story. And that is a calling, isn't it? Where he is. It is. Where he is. He is talking. She is talking. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that she's even here with us right now. Yes, but I thought you. I don't hear. I don't hear you talking about different jobs. But I believe caregiving is a very, it's a gift. It is a Um, gift. A gift. We are being paid for to have the patient. Yeah. And I that was a gift from God when I asked for that gift to give me more patience, and I do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of you for sticking with your patient during uh, the COVID uh, when people were probably telling you to not do, not be there. Yes. Yeah. And, so, and uh, good for you. Yeah. With God's help, I'm going to be finishing this with grace yes. till the end. Yes, yes, you will. Thank you, Scott. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for sharing your story on that. See, that is a calling, right? That's something that's more than a job. Now, 
I didn't ask Ruth, but maybe she has to have some other type of job. You know, maybe there's other things she has to do to make ends meet. Sometimes we have a job, but there is something that we are called to do. That that voice inside you, I think, that that maybe if you are just felt particularly driven to do a certain thing where the money doesn't matter and where, you know, you're not doing it for your own glory, but you're doing it for the Lord. I think that's the calling, right? That's the calling that God has given. And there's a reason for that. You know, in her situation, she's got a testimony with not just her patient, but with her patient's family and with other people. And, you know, I think one of the hardest things during COVID is the the shutdown of the, the care for older people in particular and how we just kind of lock people up uh, in different ways. And lots of, lots of people felt like they couldn't be there. And, you know, it, it, we knew at the time it was the wrong thing. And looking back, it's just kind of a horrific thing that happened. So proud of Ruth for being there. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. We started talking about the Oscars last night. Did you watch them? Were there, was there anything that was inspiring to you? Um, not something to, um, you know, I don't think we, we pay as much attention anymore because it's become such a politi- politicized event so often. But I'm not hearing a lot of that from last night. You know, a couple of comments and jokes. What I am hearing are some success stories of people who have really had to push through the challenges of that profession. And I think anybody in a profession or a calling that you have, if you really feel like this is what you were made to do, it can be really difficult. Brendan Fraser, remember him? Uh, he was in what the Mummy, and he, what was the name, Wilbur, of that movie where you're uh, where he was locked underground because they thought it was World World War Two or World War Three had happened. Blast from the past, and he, and yeah, Encino Man. <laughs> all these, all these crazy things going on. Did you actually know that uh, Encino Man starred him and uh, the guy that the supporting actor one? Yeah, and it's it starred him and Ki uh, Kehi Kwan, and uh, you know there was I think some other Encino Man people who were there, and if you ever saw that movie, um, Polly Shore was not there. He was kind of left out of the whole thing, I guess. Um, Just if yeah, well, you know, there'll be another time for him, and that's you know maybe that's that will be his comeback. This is uh, Brendan Fraser's uh, night, and the Oscar goes to <laughs> Brendan Fraser. He was in a movie called The Whale. I didn't see that either, but everybody says that it was a super meaningful role um as somebody who is severely overweight and beginning to deal with that but all the pressures and hardships that uh, come along with that this was part of his speech i um started in this business 30 years ago and things they didn't come easily to me but there there was a facility that i didn't um i didn't appreciate at the time until it stopped and i just want to say thank you for this acknowledgement I thought his speech was also good, that his uh, his emotion was pretty good. He had a whole lot of, uh, you know, whale jokes and uh, and jokes about being in the water, which I thought somehow in the middle of his emotion he was able to put those in there. I thought that was kind of funny. But, uh, you know, I I get excited about people who keep pushing through when they have difficult things happen. In his life, he, it seemed like he was in every movie for a while, and then he just dropped off the face of the earth, just completely gone. And not getting anything. You know, imagine if you are a salesperson and you're the top salesperson in your field. And then all of a sudden you can't sell anything. Just all of a sudden you're what you feel like you're made to do. It just ends. 
you know, have you been in a situation where you have been able to just push through some adversity or things that, that came your way that were hard to get through? I think this is something that God gives us in our life because it actually shapes us. It's hard to get through it. But if you get to the other side and you go through something that is a, a crucible, when you go through something that is so incredibly hard um, and you get to the other side, I think that you find out that you grow tremendously and that God has done amazing things during that period of time. Maybe you've been through a crucible, a severe test or trial is what that is. It's, you know, we go through hard times and ups and downs, but some of us go through periods of time that sometimes are years that we call a crucible. And you get to the other side and you realize that your calling is intact. You might have had to change your job and maybe things didn't work out for you in other areas of your life. Um, Have you been to a place where you decided, I'm just not going to quit at the thing that God has called me to do? That's what I've been thinking about a lot with these speeches. Like I said, I didn't watch the, the program, but I was inspired by people winning who have been around for a long time and who ended up having great stories. And it seemed to be very positive and I think uh, genuinely felt from people. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And you know, another moment that was, I thought really cool was in the movie Indiana Jones and the last, no, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. In that movie... Uh, Kehi Kwan was in that movie with Harrison Ford, and Kehi Kwan was a boy, young boy, played a a kid named Short Round as sidekick, and it was a great character. And their chemistry together was fantastic. Well, Harrison Ford is the one who gave out the Best Picture Award for that film, and so all the actors and people came up on the stage afterward. And you saw Harrison Ford. You have to see the video of this to to really get it. That's, uh, That's from that movie. You saw Harrison Ford and Kehi Kwan embrace, and it was so real. It was these two guys 40 years later. You know, I that was a very moving thing. It's fun to see life, I think, play out this way. I think that is something very, very um, wonderful that we were able to see last night. That movie, uh, Temple of Doom, it was the movie that started the PG-13 rating. I don't know if you remember that, but there was no PG-13 rating, and there was a there was a crisis back then for parents because it was it was extra violent. There was a there's a scene in it where a guy gets his heart ripped out of his chest, right? And you know, but then you have a child actor in it, and but it also dealt with the occult, and so it was just a heavier subject. I don't know if you realize this about the uh, Indiana Jones movies. There's there's a fifth one coming out for some reason this year. Um, but they all have a a sort of religious myth that they're attached to. So Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark is what it was called, the first Indiana Jones. And the the Ark of the Covenant is not a myth, but the idea that it's being hidden somewhere, and it was, we don't know what happened in real life to the Ark of the Covenant for sure. And in that movie, they discover what happened to it, and they go get it, and they open it up at the end, and everybody who opens it dies, not trying to spoil it for you. So there's sort of a myth, mythical uh, approach to Judaism actually is that movie. The second one, uh, it deals with myths that are uh, attached to Hinduism. The third one, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, has to do with myths in Christianity. Uh, the the cup of Christ, the Holy Grail, that's not a real thing, by the way. There is no Holy Grail. There is no cup 
that Jesus used at the, uh, there is a cup that he used at the Last, Last Supper, but nobody knows anything about it and it doesn't have magical powers and nothing like that. It's a myth. But that's what the movie was about. And the fourth one had something to do with with Scientology and the aliens and all of that. Uh, I'm not sure why they made the fourth one ultimately, but uh, I didn't think it was that good. I hope, I don't know what the fifth one's going to be about, but but if you watch that, think about it. There's probably a, a religious side to it. Um, anyway, the the last cruise or the uh, uh, Temple of Doom movie was kind of violent. There was this controversy, and I was in the eighth grade when that movie came out, and I went to see it with uh, three other guys, and uh, my parents said it'd be okay, and we went and saw it. Well, one of the guys with us, uh, his mom had said, "No, you're not allowed to go see it," but he snuck in there anyway, and his mom showed up about two minutes before that movie started and pulled him out by the arm and dragged him out of that theater. To which the three of us laughed hysterically. And to this day, we do not let him live that down. <laughs> I think that's that's guys for you. Anyway, all right, 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. When we get back, we'll take a look at Stanford Law and something that happened over there uh, that I think you should be aware of. I think it's something that is foreshadowing of maybe some things that we're going to be seeing more and more often in our country. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. By the way, if you ever want to get the podcast, just go to our radio station website or go to Spotify, look for Southern California Live, click subscribe, and you will never miss an episode. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. So you've invited me to speak here, and I've been tackled nonstop. And I'm just asking for the minister to sign up. That's it. If you want a marketplace of ideas, you have gotten what you wanted, take it. Like, do you want an echo chamber? What's the issue? That was a scene at Stanford Law School. And with an invited guest, he was invited to speak at the school, and he was a federal judge named Kyle Duncan, and a Fifth Circuit judge. And uh, he was shouted down so badly in the classroom. Um, what happened is the Federalist Society in that campus, I'm surprised there is one, they invited him. Other people came to protest in the classroom, and every time he started to talk, they just started shouting at him. And I can't even tell you the things that they started to say because it was so uh, nasty. They were just hounding this poor guy. And, uh, you know, and agree with him or not, you you have to be able to listen to other people. This is – and for a law school, think about this. This is this is the cream of the crop, right? Stanford, the number two law school in the country. These people are your elites, right? These people are going to be Congress people. They're going to be lawyers for big companies. They're going to probably all of them be incredibly rich, like very wealthy people. And they're attacking him this way. And at the end there, they said, is all you want is an echo chamber. But he never actually uh, shared his thoughts. Then he couldn't even get to his, the whatever it was he was called to ask about. And so he asked for a administrator to come into the room to try to calm down basically the mob that was in there so he could give his remarks. Well, the administrator came in the room and the administrator, whose name is Tyrion Steinbach, who is the school's diversity dean, we have a dean of diversity. We never had that uh, growing up. I went to lots of things in college in my day 
that were controversial from the right and left. And there were sometimes some angry people in there and often there might have been protesting outside, you know, but uh, I don't think anybody for the most part didn't feel like you, you couldn't have the event. I don't remember that ever happening, like not even once. Uh, nothing like this. And uh, and I went to law school. Did you know I went to law school? I don't talk about that too much. There was you know, we we're talking about calling right before the break, and uh, you know I went to law school. And uh, after my first year of law school, I had the sense that God was not calling me to become a lawyer, and that sense was confirmed when the law school sent me a letter saying that they did not want me to be a lawyer either. And uh, so that was nice. Anyway, that uh, <laughs> that changed the direction of my life. Then God made me a pastor where I was in the same town as that law school, and I got to counsel a lot of kids who uh, didn't make it through that law school. And uh, it's funny how the Lord does that. Uh, 888-528-2557. Anyway, so this is going on in uh, this law school, and the administrator comes in supposedly to calm things down, but instead she lectures him for about 10 minutes straight. Um, I'm uncomfortable because this event is tearing at the fabric of this community that I care about and I'm here to support. And I don't know, and I have to ask myself, and I'm not a cynic to ask this, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is this worth it? Meaning, is it even worth it to have some point of view? Now, his point of view, what he did wrong, okay, just so that we're aware of what he actually did wrong. What he did wrong is in 2020, he had a case before him of a child abuser who wanted him to use uh, different pronouns. Uh, it was a guy and wanted him to use call him a woman, and he refused from the bench to use his pronouns uh, during the trial. That's ultimately the reason that, and that's what this is about. That's what this entire thing, and I can't even tell you the things I was mentioning. I can't even tell you the things that were being said to him on the radio. I can't. Like, legally, I can't. It's that bad. Right, the language is foul and uh, it's rough. And the administrator comes in and kind of joins in for ten minutes. It is an aesthetic, but for many people in this law school who work here, who study here, and who live here, your advocacy, your opinions from the bench land as absolute disenfranchisement of their rights and does land. And it's one shouting thing after another. And you can watch the video online. And and uh, most of the video that uh, I'm referring to isn't that terrible as far as the language and stuff. But it's, some of it's there. Mostly what it is, though, is the sign of the future, I think. Okay, this is this is happening in what is supposed to be Stanford Law School, one of the best law schools in the country. And if this is the status of the legal profession coming up, we're in for a rough time as a country. Uh, now, if I'm this judge, I'm writing down all the students' names, and when they come stand before me one time in a real court, um, I don't know. I don't think I'd like to stand in front of this judge if I was a Stanford attorney at this point, because uh, I I think uh, I'm either going to get unfair rulings or whatever he can get away with that's still fair and within the law that goes against me. That's probably what's going to happen. He's asking, actually, that the uh, dean get fired. Um, and uh, kind of fighting back on that. 888-528-2557 is the number. Let me get to a couple of your calls here. Uh, Joel in San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Scott, this is Joel. Hi, Joel. Hi. I I just turned the radio on. I laid down for about an hour. Um, I let my afternoon job was entails being a crossing guard at a little uh, school here in uh, San Diego in Solana Beach. But I live... Basically, I grew up in a crucible. 
So I'd like to inspire people to let them know that you can do anything through any adverse situation because God, and thank you, Jesus, for showing me, giving me a little grain of, of wisdom to understand what you've done for me to strengthen me so that I can have the experiences to help other people that started when I was three and I woke up one morning and my legs didn't work because I had polio I'm, from the first pandemic, I guess. Mm. But what happened was from not being able to walk around, I started drawing. This developed later and late. I just kept drawing and expressing my feelings of frustration and um, horrors this way because hospitals were hell pits. It was like I equated as coming out of a concentration camp. For now, me. It was is this a long time ago or is this, excuse me, is it, or is this just recently not, in the COVID? No, no, no. This is 1946. Okay. All right. This is when it happened so, to me. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up and, and did, couldn't run around all that. I wasn't fast, but I had great motor skills. These skills developed into being a great artist. I be, was the youngest artist that NASA chose to work on the app for the moon flight, the Apollo 11 flight. There was, I was the youngest of six Americans. We did the visuals to train the astronauts for the, for the flight. Quick going through advertising career to CBS. I helped develop the split screen for motion pictures that traveled to 30 countries, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm just doing this not not to do my ego, but to show something. Um, come back, uh, worked 10 years in, in, uh, in, in Hollywood, was sickened by, by the lack of values that they had or came back down to San Diego. Design magazines, a man came up to me and said, would you like to do this fitness magazine? Um, so I did it. Some, I had this great house in Cardiff by the sea. Come yeah. home one night, house is burned down. Somebody came in, they torched it because they loved the location. I moved in with a couple of friends, um, started drawing. So I went, to li- um, I, I, I went to the library in the afternoons. They said, we love your drawing. Would you like to teach here? I said, yes. Uh, one, one of the people in my class worked at Scripps. She said, Joel, why don't we take this and, and go to... Once you bring the program to Scripps, I go to Scripps Hospital in Encinitas, so, created the third therapeutic drawing program for traumatic brain yeah. patients and for the guys at Pendleton. Yeah, While I'm there, I said, you know something I never served. Why don't I bring this to the VA? For 15 years, I've been doing bedside drawing every Friday, working with quadriplegics and paraplegics. If mm. I wouldn't have had paralysis, I wouldn't be able to do it. If I wouldn't have had cancer about six years ago, I wouldn't be able to work with cancer adults. I added a, a so I've been doing this for on Fridays. Yeah. On Mondays, I created a program through the church. They gave me a big community room. I work with autistic and Down syndrome yeah. adults and children. I do um, during COVID. I, they wouldn't allow me to go into the... So, Joel, the I want to get on... Joel, I appreciate your story. I want to get on to some other callers, but you've been able to take your uh, your situation, and like you said, it was, it's been a crucible for you, but God has allowed you to use your gifts and skills to serve Him and other people because of it. Exactly. And yeah. I, tell, I tell friends and people that I meet that come over to me while I'm drawing in coffee shops, I say, whatever happens in life that seems like a horrible thing to you, Go a little bit further in life to look back and see how you can use that experience to connect with other people. Yeah. And never quit. I mean, from a crossing guard to the two programs I do for years now, I'll be 80 in April, and I have no desire to stop doing whatever I'm doing. So right. God, well, God keeps 
God, keep me healthy and keep me going. Good for you, Joel. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Joel. And thanks for calling Southern California Live. You know, he says don't quit. You know, sometimes you have to quit a certain pursuit, right? Maybe something's not working out. You got to change your job. There's something that you got to do. But don't quit what you're called to do. Don't quit taking a look at the things that you are made to do and and doing that. You might just you might have to change direction. You might have to take a detour, but stay focused on that. We were talking about calling before and, and bringing up this judge and what's going on here. You know, part of why I'm connecting these things is because I think that the future is is that that speakers who are speaking on issues of values or or Christianity or things uh, about the family, they're going to go through with this federal judge. This is a federal judge in a law school classroom being shouted down uh, because they didn't like an opinion that he had that didn't go with their ideology and not even allowed to speak. I don't think we should be surprised that this is going to be an experience that many of us have at different different places in our walk. 888-528-2557. Barbara in Chatsworth. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi there. Um, my name is Barbara Hill, and I just wanted to share something about, um, you know, you're talking about your calling and yeah. how how it's unexpected sometimes. You know, you don't you don't really know where life is going to lead you until you you find it. That's and right. And then you know, for sure. And so, um you know, when I was younger, I was a model in New York, and I thought I was so cool. And I was doing commercials, and I was really, it was all about me, me, me. And um, then I had a family, and my children taught me what the real meaning of life was. And so I loved being with kids so much that I started sub-teaching. Because, you know, when you're acting, it's all improv. And, you know, so I started working with children, and I'm now a teacher for um, students with autism in middle school, hmm. and every day is such a uh, a meaningful day. <laughs> I just feel like I get so much out of it, and I normally would not call, but you know, you have to die to yourself, and, they, and sometimes to realize what is is important in life. And so, I feel so grateful to be able to do what I do every day, and not you know focus on me. <laughs> yeah, Barbara, I think that is so. That is so right on, and you're right that sometimes we don't realize till later what our calling is, and it, it is sometimes so yeah, sometimes things happen that force us to get out of the way, and yeah. you know of ourselves. And oh, I used to, you know go by those um, wardrobe tracks, and I would think, oh my gosh, that's so shining, and I'm not there. But you know what? This is so much better than that. That I'm just so thankful that I'm not sucked into that anymore. That yeah. I can be. Um, free to to actually inspire the kids to find their calling. You know, that's really important. Yeah. Barbara, thank you so much for your call and listening to Southern California Live today. Yep. That is such a huge thing. You find your calling later sometimes, you know, and don't quit, you know, and if you, if you're not sure what you're called to do, pray about it. Ask the Lord, because whatever you're called to do at the end of the day, it has to do with serving people, with using your life, just like Joel's call a moment ago, using the things that even come along in your life. You know, a lot of people in Joel's situation would get bitter and angry, and I know that, uh, and it's hard not to do that. But if you can find a way to leverage whatever God has given you, whatever it is, to serve other people, even if you would rather be in a different place, calling isn't necessarily what you want calling is where you're at. I got to take a break, then I'll get back for your phone calls on calling. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. 
This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. We're talking about calling, and we're talking about the obstacles that sometimes happen. Sometimes it's our own. Sometimes it's what the culture is going to do. And, you know, you are called by God to do something. And part of it is whatever you're skilled at, maybe that's your career, maybe it's a hobby that you're just really good at, maybe you just like to serve people, or you're a great parent, or there's something that you are particularly gifted at. But at the end of the day, I think that a big part of your calling is going to be how you're used for the Lord wherever you are called. And maybe some of you have a story about uh, that and how God has uh, called you to something. Maybe you've gone through some adversity with that. The number is 888-528-2557. Craig in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, I just wanted to comment on the uh, lawyer for a second. I, it's really sad that you get a situation where a lawyer is talking to a lawyer Students can't speak and express the law. Yeah, and uh, like just they, to catch people up. They need to up. give a lesson to the students by having them do some extracurricular home on, what, on the fact that it's not freedom from speech, but freedom to speak. Right. And just to catch people up, before the break, uh, last segment, we played a clip of an attorney. He's actually a federal judge. Sorry, not an attorney. Federal judge uh, who was shouted down at, at uh, Stanford Law School and really unable to give his comments. And uh, it's very ironic, if you heard that, is they said, are you looking just for a um, echo chamber, which I thought is really odd because he's coming to clearly a school that disagrees with his opinion on things to share his thoughts. He knows this. <laughs> and they accused him of looking for an echo chamber, and they were not allowing him to speak. You still with me, Craig? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's my point. So I guess really if they had photos of all the students, I think the students should have to do some extracurricular homework on uh, the difference between the freedom of speech and the freedom from speech. My concern is that getting it wrong there in Stanford. Yeah, my concern is that they may not be teaching it right on purpose because the the dean who came in um, went on for 10 minutes really said what she kept saying is, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze, meaning I don't know if it's even worth having you here to share these opinions that these people find to be somehow offensive. That's a complete change in education, and it's wrong in law school. You've got to hear other people's opinions. You're going to have to deal with that. So it's it's a it's a wild thing. Absolutely. Yeah, all right, Craig. Thanks for calling Southern California Live. Appreciate that. Sean in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Yes, with, I, I, I want to come more like with the solution. When we see that coming up and this next generation, which is more than scary, I think that's why the, the Word of God says that's why He's going to shorten the days that in flesh we get saved. So we should, as I would encourage, you have a platform. Encourage revivals. Encourage prayer and fasting. Yeah. Encourage. We we combat with the word of God. That's how it's going to change because we know that D needs salvation. That you know, anytime you get to the point where these, what you would say, the cream of the crop, upper echelons, are won't even hear, and they so. You know, and they're going against the very principles and the guidelines of even going into law is hearing both sides and 
being open to even if you disagree, you have to listen to hear where another person is to make even a righteous change. Yeah. Sean, I think we lost your we lost your call there a little bit. You still there? Yes, I'm still here. All right, you faded out. Can you hear me? Yeah, got you back. Can you hear me now? Yep. And I think you're right about that, Sean, is that, uh, you know, the church has to be prepared and be in prayer. And uh, I appreciate uh, your call, Sean, on that. Thanks for calling Southern California Live. Uh, you know, I think that uh, it, you reminded me of a passage in First Peter, and this is one I think that really we should keep in mind. And talking about the things we go through in life that might call you know, move us away from our calling or maybe make us people who feel like we can't accomplish what God has called us to do. First Peter 4.12, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. You know, he's talking about the persecutions that were beginning in Rome that uh, eventually would take the life of Peter himself and uh, Paul and many others. But he says to them, he says, hey, don't be surprised at this, and don't think of it as something strange that's happening to you. I think that we have to take that look in our country today when we see this thing at Stanford, which isn't about religion uh, necessarily, but I think that that kind of response is going to be coming to Christian speakers because of Christianity, uh, because there are things in our faith that are just unacceptable to the current way of thinking for some people. Um, we shouldn't be surprised by that. We shouldn't. It is. It seems strange because we've not experienced that, but it's not actually strange when you filter it through the Word of God. And then here's what Peter says. He says, "But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed." Part of that is there's it's sort of twofold in the context. It really is about the second coming of Christ. Okay, because it says, "If you are insulted by the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory of, and of God rests on you." If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal, even as a meddler. Uh, you know what he's telling you to do. You know, if you're being insulted, you know you should be insulted because of Christ, not because you're actually a jerk, right? It's, you know, that you're not being persecuted if you are doing wrong and you are facing, you know, trouble. And he says, but however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name for it. Time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? right, is that there is judgment coming and that God is going to take care of the injustices that are out there. So in the meantime, um, rejoice in what we have and what God has given us to do and do the best we can with it. And, you know, I think I think that's important even for the, the revival that some people are saying might be happening. Uh, certainly something that we have to keep praying for is that we may have revival, but what is what is a big part of that revival is because we need it. And it's not strange that we need it. It's not strange that we're being um, pushed uh, back. But if we suffer for a Christian, it's, for being a Christian, it's only for a little while. Instead, praise the name of the God that you, you bear his name as Christian. All right, one more call. Uh, JT in Huntington Beach. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, thanks, Scott. I'm going to tie something together here real quickly, if I may. Yeah. Um, I think that the baby boomers for rebelling, and I think that people like a lot of people that are older people, including Jane Fonda, who's made the terrible comment she made on The View about, you know, what should be done with pro-lifers, which I couldn't believe the other day, and I saw it with my own ears, and I couldn't believe it. 85 years old, she's overcome cancer, 
But I think that people in her age group and a lot of the boomers, the pre-boomers and the baby boomers, are the ones that dropped the ball over the years because we went too far and rebelled against things simply because there had been some injustices. But we went to the other extreme and threw out the baby with the bathwater. So good parenting went out, mentoring went out, not teaching kids the things that had been taught before, you know, old fogeyism, TV shows, you know, Donna Reed or Leave it to Beaver, that's antiquated. You know, everything got attacked. So the point is you end up creating an unstable society, which is no substitute. And this is where we are. And the and too many adults, and I'll close here, ended up becoming in denial about this and arrogant. And so we have this kind of a, a terrible situation have now. Uh, and so you have uh, you have this political correctness. And many people years ago that would have been in faith said, you know, I may not agree with you, but I defend your right to say what you will. Then they want to go back and censor funny comedians and you know, and 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 songs and you know, movies and TV shows, and this is just ridiculous that it, you know, just that it's come this far. If, yeah. I, if I'm making sense of what I'm saying, do you see the connection there? Yeah, we are. You know, it's a society that's in decline. And uh, JT, I appreciate uh, your call uh, yeah, very much on this. You know, it's you know, one thing I would say though is that we want to make sure we hold on to our hope, and we can blame you know the the generations. And each generation has its thing. You know, there's a battle between boomers and uh, millennials and, you know, that kind of jokes that are going on if you follow that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we've been seeing the the response to the movie Jesus Revolution. And, you know, the Jesus Revolution happened with boomers. And so you have kind of both sides of that, right? You've got a, a the generation of Americans that have moved away from the Lord, but you also had a generation in the same generation, the same group of people who said, you know, wait a minute, we're going the wrong way. And they repented. And if you're going to pray about something, we need to pray for our, you know, there's so many things to pray about, but maybe today, when we're done here in a second, pray for repentance. Repentance is the turning away. It is the turning and going the other direction. We're a nation that needs to repent that the revival that we need to have is not going to be reflected in just the number of people going to church or uh, going to a movie or having an emotional experience over things. The revival is going to be seen through the repentance of people who turn their hearts to God. And as a result of a large number of people that do that, the culture can change as we turn our hearts to God. That's something to pray for today is pray for the repentance of people in the church and people outside of the church that we have a great revival out of time. We'll be back tomorrow from three to five on Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. God bless you. I will see you tomorrow. Good night.